The Black and White Network presents The Credit Connection, a program sponsored by Cambridge Credit Counseling, an industry leader in providing advice and help to those who have concerns about their credit. With interest rates rapidly rising, your cost of credit is also draining your budget. This program will help you as consumers manage your credit to the best possible outcome. You will learn what's happening with interest rates, what the forecast might be for the directions of rates. You will be kept updated on the pricing of different credit products. You'll find out what credit products to stay away from and ones to use. You will learn strategies that can help you get control of your credit and keep it under control for you and your family. Cambridge Credit Counseling is a nonprofit organization dedicated to provide you information and guidance so you can make the right decisions. So let's join our hosts, Dan Perkins and Gordon Oliver. Welcome back to the Credit Connection. This is Dan Perkins from Black and White. And with me is Gordon, who is the uh, Director of Development for, as you can see, the Cambridge Connection. Um, we got a lot to talk about today, sir. We certainly do, Dan. Thanks for having me on the show again. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, Gordon and I talked about the, the show today in advance, and, and I said to him, as I've thought about it and, and, and written some commentary on this and had numerous discussions with Gordon, I come to the conclusion that really this one decision that has been made that has affected the level of debt that children, young children have as they go into college. And that question is, how many credits are you going to take per year? Because if you're not taking enough credits to graduate in four years, which approximately 33% of students do, which means almost 77% don't graduate in three years, uh, you're going to have to go for another year or two. In fact, it's about six years average term in college. So adding two more years, depending on whether you're going to public or private schools, could upwards, add upwards to uh, $100,000 in additional debt for your college program. But when you were telling me about it, Gordon, you were talking about some of the other things that I think our audience would be surprised that are being used to spend college funds for. Yeah, um, so let's just, let's just position this so we can understand um, what we're talking about, right? So you've got a high school student and to your point for, for the very longest time and even more feverishly now, it seems to be projected that without a college degree, you'll have a hard time being successful. And there's so many cases where that's not true, but the education system and the mantra seems to be that that's what will lead to success. And you see all kinds of examples that would make um, kids at that level think that way. And the, the big problem, number one, is at that moment in a student's life, they have never dealt with such debt. Um, and they're taking out loans to go to school either. Um, you know, the process is simple. You go through studentaid.gov and the FAFSA process to see how much money the student will be given as far as loans and grants, et cetera. And then the rest of that money that's needing to be paid either falls on another loan that typically is to private institutions or the parents get involved and take out what's called parent plus loans to cover tuition. Now, when you do the application process, to your point, Dan, you're asked a question, and I went through this with my son, if there are additional funds that are, that, that are left over, where do you want them to go? 
right? So you can take out additional funds. And there have been reports about students using student loan funds that typically are for the cost of living or transportation, that some of that money just doesn't go to tuition, it goes to other things. So again, it is a dangerous road to go down to allow people with minimal experience in dealing with debt and a budget to be able to take out such loans without understanding what it takes to pay them back. Gordon, I have to, I have to follow up with what you're saying because uh, not, not that you're saying it, it's, it's what, what you're saying implies that children today are less well-equipped to make the decisions when we were their age, making decisions to go to college. Is, are you saying it's, it's the financial magnitude is, is what makes it more difficult? I yet, think so. And I think it's millions and millions, billions of dollars, if not trillions of dollars in debt. So yeah. what's different? And I'm, I'm not, I don't want to put you on the spot per se, but what's different about my generation uh, and today's generation? And the opinions that I give you on this are from some experience and are, are my own. But the cost of education now is just so extraordinary in comparison to what it was 25 years ago. You know, I graduated in 1987. So things were very different on the cost perspective than they are now. Okay, let me, let me, let me try it a different way. Um, What's different about the children today making the decision versus when you went in your, in your freshman year and the decision that you made if you took out any student loans? What's well, different about the student, I guess is what I'm trying to figure out. Well, it seems like, and I'll give you a perfect example. In my home state of Massachusetts, if you're going to college to become an educator, a teacher, in Massachusetts, you have to have your graduate degree and then within five years, you need to get your master's in order to continue uh, to teach. So that puts a burden on new students that wanna be educators to have to spend that additional money uh, to get that master's degree to be qualified to continue uh, with, their, with their job. So there are a lot more, it seems like the, the length of time to get degrees um, are extended. And doctors have been like that for a long time. You know, they have to do their graduate and then they have to do that continuous education in order to become a physician. So it's not like that didn't exist, but it seems more and more um, qualifications are, are being required in order to be even considered for an application to some employment. Let me, uh, let me just step back for a second and pick up on something you said earlier. Um, you talked about uh, going through the process of determining what, what, what is available to you um, <clears throat> in, in terms of funding, either through grants or, or student loans. Um, you talked about the, the mantra that I heard when I was in school in the 60s, that um, you can't succeed without a college degree. And, and I'm not putting words in your mouth, but you said earlier in the conversation, you were questioning the, the validity of that statement. Yep. Because I think that there's still probably a lot of teachers that are trying to convince children you have to go to college. Yes. And, and if 40% if drop out the first year, there's something going on that they shouldn't be there. Yes. So, so what is it that in that situation, what is it concerns you 
uh, about the, the, the mantra, you, if you're going to succeed, you have to have a degree. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of the the advice that that we try to give to families and and people that are going through the process or even are early in the process is some research needs to be done on what salaries are available versus what you're going to borrow to be able to pay that money back. So the problem with kids that are coming out of high school going right in is they they probably never managed the budget. Now, they may have been taught the skills. You know, we you hear criticism about financial literacy uh, all the time. But, you know, I've gone into high schools and I've talked to kids that are moving on and it's not tangible, right? It's discussion and I give experience on what we do when people are in debt and how we counsel them and whatnot. But it's not tangible until you're in it. You really don't understand the dynamics. So if you're not having those hard discussions, doing the math. So if you do a fictitious budget, as an example, when you come out of high uh, college, if you're going to rent, need transportation to get to work, have utilities, need to buy groceries, um, entertainment, all the things that, that are wrapped in a budget, and then you have this loan, how much is that going to be? And what's your salary going to be in your field? That's where you know that discussion needs to happen typically before you get so in, inundated in debt. And unfortunately, I just as an opinion from all of the backlash that you see from people blaming others for the money that they borrowed, it is obviously indicative that there's a problem there that it wasn't planning wasn't actually taken into account on what it's going to look like after you get out of school, needing to live your life, needing to maybe develop a family, uh, needing to pay bills, right? So that I think that's a big problem that there's not enough planning going into what degree students are going for versus what they're going to expect as far as compensation when they get out. There's another, another evil out there that uh, I, I, I know that your company also works on, but let, let me tell our audience a quick story. <clears throat> um, before I moved to Florida, I had an office in New Jersey. I own a, a condominium there and, and uh, I had a lot of uh, heat from the sun into the office. And so I, Call this company that puts the film on the windows to cut down on the heat. Yep. And we settled on a price. And the day that he was there to put on the film, a young man was there along with what looked like me, father and son. And I said, are you, he said, is that your dad? He said, yeah. And he said, I said, so you're helping him. Uh, he said, yeah. Um, I had to leave school after my freshman year. I said, really, what happened? He said, I had $25,000 worth of credit card debt at the end of the first year. And my dad said, I'm not paying it. I, I can't afford to pay for your college and to pay off your credit card debt. So you're going to have to leave school and get a job and pay it off before you can go back to school. So not only we, are we having a student, a student loan issue, we have lots of students who are getting out into the free world and spending enormous amounts of money on the credit cards and put and themselves deeper into debt. I have a story for you as well, a, a, a family that I counseled. So there were three children in the family and the first two were already in school and one was actually uh, graduating at the time that the family needed to fund the third student's uh, education. So in, and from my viewpoint, they took out power plus loans and they already had an extraordinary amount of debt and we're having some family problems because the first child 
the the parents thought that the the parent plus loans were going to go back to the child when they graduated for them to pay, which doesn't happen. And then the, the child was like, well, I'm not paying it. You guys borrowed the money. So now they got a family rift over it. The second, uh, the second child was kind of in the, on the fence because they kind of had the same philosophy because they didn't learn that that wasn't the case yet. And then the third one, again, strangely enough, this is a family that had $200,000 in debt and now having to fund the third child's education. And I had to have a hard argument or discussion with them saying, you need to communicate right now that these three kids need to help you pay these loans or you're going to have all kinds of financial problems. And their income combined was about 75000 and their parent plus loans. So they're stuck with those loans. And this now crumbles the family dynamic because of a major debt that is to fund someone's education, take the child out of it. But now they're not willing to reinvest back by paying that money back, which causes family problems. So this is where my planning explanation comes in, where when families get to it, it's too late, right? They have to quickly make decisions. They have to quickly apply for loans or what college are you going to? And if the planning isn't done to make all the numbers make sense so that everybody's on the same page, it causes all kinds of problems debt load problems for individuals, family problems, because now there's this big debt that has to be taken care of. So a lot of it does lead to troubles for many people. Well, we have to take a break. And I've asked Gordon, uh, uh, we're speaking to Gordon Oliver from the Cambridge Connection um, about uh, student debt, because it's big time in the in the headlines. And, and uh, we're going to talk more about that. But um, talk to us about your student loan program. So yeah, we are, what we do is we have a, a an engine on our uh, website that uh, people can upload their student loan file from the Department of Education. These are federal loans, and they can put their private loans in as well. But federal loans are very different because there's many programs that people can be eligible for. Where private loans, it's just simply a bank loan that you owe the note. If you want to try to improve, you can try to find a more competitive interest rate. So what we do is we counsel people. When they upload their loans, they can purchase a report that has all of their options for $39.95, and then they get a free counseling session with a certified counselor to explain all the different strategies and options they have available to them. That's, that's terrific. Um, we're going to take a pause here. We've been speaking to Gordon Oliver of the Cambridge Connection, and specifically today, uh, we're talking about student loans. We'll be right back. We are Americans, male and female, from many races and cultures from all over the world. One thing above all else is we are patriots who protect our nation and defend, when necessary, our Constitution from attacks both foreign and domestic. Today, as American patriots, we must take back our country from those who want to destroy it and us. We must start by taking back our children and their education. Parents, not union, should be in charge of our children's education. We must be sure that they are taught about the greatness of America and its people. Our children should not be indoctrinated with the belief that parents are racist and are evil and trying to destroy the world. As patriots, we must take back our country from foreign nations who want to destroy us and our way of life. Yes, as patriots, we want America to be first. We want an open and fair trade policy, energy independence, safe cities, and secure borders where we can grow and prosper as a nation of free people. Become an American patriot. Help take back America by voting Republican in the November 8th election. Welcome back to the Credit Connection. And joining us today is uh, 
Gordon Oliver from the Cambridge. And uh, we're going to we started talking about student loans in our first section. We're going to do another segment here and we're going to talk about what the hell's going on in Washington, D.C. with the, the president saying he wants to give uh, give back three hundred billion dollars of loans. And two days later, it went to 500 billion. And now there's some people talking about over 10 years, it could be a trillion dollars. And um, and all the things that aren't included has got a lot of people like parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles who have been helping to contribute to a child's college education. And um, they're, not, they're not happy with what's going on. And it, it appears that, at least to me, uh, that uh, what's going on here is uh, favoritism. Uh, certain people uh, are, are going to get this uh, freebie, and but one thing that's important that you and I discussed, they're not getting any money. There's a lot of people out there, including the media, who keeps talking about handouts and all these things, implying that there's money to be given to the student. And as far as I understand, there is no cash. In fact, if you took a fixed term, fixed rate loan, if you got $10,000 reduction, your monthly payment isn't gonna go down because it's a term loan. So give me your perspective of what the hell's going on in Washington here. So um, to your point, uh, and just to give an example, um, if you are a student borrower that has $30,000 in debt, and you're on the standard repayment program, which is a 10-year payment program. So at the end of 120 payments, there's no balance. So in that situation, if the person's going to get $10,000, it's not going to come as a check that they can spend. It's going to be reduced off of the amount that they owe. So essentially, the payment stays the same, but the amount of time it will take will decrease because the balance is lower. Now, the government, because of all of these changes, people will have the opportunity to call the loan servicers and change their repayment programs. Um, so if they do interest-driven programs, there's anywhere from 10 years to 30-year repayment terms, depending on the balance uh, and what they owe. But there are also income-driven plans that are calculated by the income the family's bringing in and the size of the family based off of the poverty line. It used to be the terms they're now changing, it seems, um, to make it more aggressive and friendly to the borrower to have lower payments. So on the in income-driven plans, essentially every year you put your income and family size and report it to the servicer and they recalculate the payment based on that formula. So there's a lot of different options. That's why in the previous segment, when we said about the website, cambridgecredit.org, where they can go and upload their student loans, put in their income and family size and all those payment options come out in the report that they can purchase, then it allows counselors to go over the options. Gordon, you sent me a statistic which just blew me away. And that's the percentage of Blacks that still have balances after 20 years. Yeah, they, a Black borrower still owe 95% of their loan balance 20 years after leaving school. How is that possible? A, a lot of this has to do with the criticism. So again, uh, if you go back in time, in the early 60s, they created a program called the Family Federal Education Loan, where private lenders would pay for the education for the borrower and the government would guarantee the funds. 
1992, there was a new program called the direct loan program where the government lends directly to the consumer. With the, that adaptation, it didn't really kick off until the Obama administration and the loan forgiveness program for public servants went off. It, where in 2010, there were no more private lenders doing the, the family federal education loans. There were direct loans direct from the government. So the problem with these servicers is they're contractors for the government to take payments in. And a lot of them have been criticized for how they've coached people on putting their loans in forbearance where they don't make payments for 12 months at a time and interest accrues so the balance grows. Many people that we've talked to have just put the loans on hold because they didn't want to deal with it or couldn't pay for it. And that's just a bigger problem that's progressing over time. And that's where a lot of these borrowers have gotten more loans, they've refinanced loans. I mean, there's just so many reasons why. Um, and again, on a cultural perspective, um, this is where an approach like this, where you forgive the loans, uh, $10,000 or $20,000, and it's a blanket across the board, that's fine. But what usually comes out as a result of that is, why did this happen in the first place, which was the previous point I've made, if they don't fix the system, when you've got a parent plus loan at 9% interest or 7.2% interest, that's a pretty high interest to borrow money uh, for education. And again, it falls on the taxpayer when they do programs like this to be able to pay for uh, making, mis uh, making good on lost mistakes. But the real problem again is, what are they doing about the cost of education now? Yeah, I, I think that's in the, the, the time we have remaining, we, we've got to, we got to deal with that. Um, many decades ago, I was the uh, a f finance reporter for Entrepreneur Magazine. And uh, I did uh, uh, I did a two-part series on um, student loans. And um, uh, being a registered investment advisor, I looked at it from the standpoint and I looked at what you were spending and what you had to pay and what you could earn. It didn't make economic sense. No. It, that was 20 years ago. It doesn't, yep. make, it doesn't make any better sense. It makes worse sense today than it did then. And yet we have complicity in the public schools where teachers and guidance counselors are pushing children to want to go to, to, go to college. And the colleges are designing the curriculum that you get less, less credits than necessary on an annual basis to be able to graduate in four years. Yep. Now, six years. And, and as we talked earlier, adding two more years of tuition, room and board fees and expenses, beer money, uh, whatever it is, um, is one of the reasons why debt has exploded. So why, why do you think that the, the universe, are the universities purposely making the number of credits required uh, the same, but the number of credits available in a semester or a half a year, whatever, not enough to graduate in four years? Is it, is it planned that way, do you think? Well, um, I, I'm, look, it's, it's a business, right? So if you have the government that's available to lend money to anybody that's coming to your business, it, it's really not a challenge, right? It's, it's, it opens up the door for people to automatically be able to get funding for the most part. So if, if you're the student borrower coming out of high school in your senior year and you fill out your FAFSA form and you find out the college costs 50 grand and the amount of you know, grants and, and money that's used to offset what that cost is, the rest that's left over, 
the student usually gets approved based on their family economics, income, um, et cetera, on how much they'll get as a student. And then the rest falls on either the student getting a private loan and co-signed by someone, family member, uh, or someone that will co-sign, which causes all kinds of other problems. Right. Um, but to your point, is that possible? Yes. But I think the overall deep dive that needs to be done here is what are the administrative costs at these universities? That needs to be public information so people can see how much of the money is going towards the administrative costs. And I think people will be astounded to find out what those numbers look like in some of these universities. Right. So we, we've got a little bit of time and there's two areas that I wanna, I wanna cover in the time remaining. Uh, obviously I want a little more discussion of your, your student loan servicing and your certain loan program in a little more detail. Uh, but before we get there, um, the tough question is, so how are we gonna pay for this? I, I, I wish I had the answer to that question, right? This is another government, and it doesn't matter party affiliation at all. It, it, this is a government guise on money that's going to be spent. And then we're going to be hopefully told by people that can really deep dive into what that looks like, who, how it's being paid for, right? We're in inflationary times. There are many things that people should be concerned about. And I think spending um, at this point um, is always needing to be in question. This unfortunately is a political hot potato that's been uh, around forever. There are people that are just not even satisfied with the amount of money that's being used. So I think as we see the, the, the details unravel, there'll be as many challenges that will ask a, th that question and try to get you know, an actual answer on it. Okay, so let's, let's, let's spend the time we have left. Let's, I want, I want um, people to understand uh, better your program to help parents and students because I think that your service is desperately needed. I know you've told me you're getting an, an enormous numbers of phone calls. Yeah. Uh, so, so tell our audience a little bit about what, what, you're, what you can do for them in, in the area of student loans. It really is very simple. The reason that this is all happening and the reason that the public service loan forgiveness program has a waiver this year is because people are so confused about what they're eligible and what they qualify for. So the service that when we counsel people, it doesn't cost anything for the counseling that we provide. We do need details to understand what situation the borrower is in, whether they have federal loans, uh, direct or family federal education loans or private loans so that we can try to help them come up with a plan or find out what they're eligible for. And at cambridgecredit.org, there's a student loan portal, like I mentioned, that you can upload your loans into. You pay $39.95. With that comes a report that we have also. So if the person wants to have somebody go over what their options are, that report details everything and the counselor at no cost goes over with them um, and narrows down what the steps they have to take to get into repayment or what programs they qualify for. So what is the report? What, what, what is the borrower, potential borrower get from the report? What, what, are the, what are they going to learn that they don't know? As a perfect example, the public service loan forgiveness, many, many people that we've counseled by the thousands were ineligible because they didn't know they need three things. They need to have an eligible employer. They need to be on the right repayment program, which is typically an income driven repayment plan. 
and they need to make 120 payments if they work for the employer, which is a public servant, the government, city, state, municipality, 501c3 nonprofit. We were counseling those people and so many were ineligible thinking they were getting their loans forgiven because they didn't understand what they needed. So this waiver that they put in is because there were so many people that should have been eligible, but weren't because of technicalities. So this counseling process just helps us narrow down for them what options that they have and what they're eligible for, which they may not know. So if I could ask you a question about one of your points, and if I'm, if I'm going the wrong direction, please correct me. Sure. If you don't work for this public entity, school, city government, county government, state government, any of those public employee type of situations, do you not qualify for forgiveness? You do not qualify for public service loan forgiveness. You could go on an income-driven plan. If you, let's say you work for a, a for-profit entity, they yeah. are not eligible for the public service loan forgiveness to 10-year forgiveness. If they, depending on their income and family size, if they qualify for an income-driven plan after 20 years, if a balance exists, it can be forgiven if they stay on that plan for the 20 years worth of payments. So there is forgiveness for, for people that work for for-profits, just not in the variety of the 10 year like public servants. So, so I just wanna make sure I got this right. You're, are you saying that if you work for, um, if you work for um, Xerox or yep. Ford or General Motors and you've got student loans, you're, you're not going to be able to get the $10,000 prepayment. No, the $10,000 is different. That's not the public service loan forgiveness program. That's a blanket program. Doesn't matter who your employer is. Okay. So that program is different. This is why people get confused because there's so many different things going on, which is why in the counseling, we can help them understand what they're eligible for. And really this new announcement on the 24th from the Biden administration there's an application process that people will need to go through. Some don't, will not have to, probably like 8 million people, I think they said, would not have to just because they're able to fall into it um, technologically. But the majority of people need to file an application. And this is where stuff gets sticky. There are going to be some people that just won't file it because they procrastinate or they're just, they don't understand it. So that's why when we counsel people, that report helps us cover all of the options that they'll have to them. So... From my from from my from my from my perspective, um, what's going on here is that anybody who's got student loans, regardless of where they work or what they do, should be calling your organization. If they're not clear, they're, if they're not clear, yes. And you're saying that most people aren't clear anyway. Well, that's why they have a waiver process in trying to fix problems in the past because most people were confused. Okay. Gordon, um, how do people get a hold of you to get to the service? You can email me at Gordon O'Cares, that's G-O-R-D-O-N-O-C-A-R-E-S at cambridgecredit.org. Or uh, people can email me questions or if they want to talk to a counselor at Gordon O'Cares at gmail.com. That's G-O-R-D-O-N-O-C-A-R-E-S at gmail.com. Or they can go to the landing page that's created for this show which is cambridge-credit.org forward slash BW-podcast. The telephone number is 855-435-2066. Super. Thank you, sir. We'll see you next week. Dan, thanks for having me. It's so important for people to understand. I totally agree. Thank you. For more information, call 
2066 for Cambridge Credit Counseling.